Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Saved Podcast, where we capture conversations over coffee about how Jesus has transformed lives. My name is Logan Bayless, and I am here today with my co-host, Amia. And today, we are interviewing Corey. If you guys listened to my podcast episode, we joked, actually, about this being the ABC podcast. Nobody asked Mm -hmm. for it. But here we are. <laughs> I'm back. And uh, they asked me to come on to, uh, for me and Amia to talk to Corey about his life. So welcome. Now, hello. many people know of you as Corey Tartar. Mm-hmm. However, I know you as Stupid Xenos Kid. Mm-hmm. Can you please explain um, why you are Stupid Xenos Kid, why you chose to go with that name? Uh... Well, that was my Twitter handle for a while when t- Twitter first popped off. And Brian Bassett gave me the name. Um, and I forget, uh, it was when I first started rapping, like when I was in high school. So it was 2009. Um, and I wanted to be like a cool rapper guy, be popular. And. Brian was discipling me at the time, and he's like, why would you want to be known as that? It's much cooler to be known as, like, a stupid Xenos kid. And I was like, I'm sticking with that. (laughs) And so I made that my Twitter handle. I think that your Twitter handle still, uh, or no, sorry, your bio still says that you are a biotechnical engineer for NASA. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Which is a pretty impressive credential. Yeah, that's something... um, I'll probably never achieve in my life, Well, but I would like to be known as someone that smart. Never say never, Corey. Yeah, you have so much time. You never know. Fellowship doesn't work out for you, working for fellowship. You could always I do have be a, a biotechnical engineer. I mean, my degree was in engineering, biotechnical. Yeah, so. Well, now, that's not my real icebreaker for you. My <laughs> real icebreaker actually does pertain to music, because a lot of people in our fellowship already know that you are in a band... Mm-hmm. For our fellowship, which is called Booth Party, the Booth Party. Yes, you, Ian, Kyle, and Angelo, Angelo Rob, and Rob. Wow. Yes. So, I guess you know you've done some some videos too for our film fest with music. Mm-hmm. Music's been a big part of your life. Mm-hmm. Uh, you taught me how mm-hmm. to play the guitar back in high school. Mm-hmm. What is it that you love about music, and what influenced you to start making music? Good question. It's probably one of my favorite questions. I love talking about music. Um, So what got me interested? I mean, at a young age, I started listening to country with my mom. Uh, My first concert was a Keith Urban concert. Wow. Yeah. Um, Then, like a year after that, I think I just... uh, abandoned country altogether and hated it and um limewire was popular around that time mm. so i started listening who? to green day green day was like one of my first bands i got into now limewire that was the that was the uh virus software <laughs> yeah. not antivirus no but- that's where if you wanted to um break a computer you would download the software and download crank that soldier boy <laughs> Um, and a PHP <laughs> file. <laughs> it was actually a Trojan horse. <laughs> yeah. Not cranked at Soldier Boy, unfortunately. Yeah. 
Yeah, it was like, why is this song in EXE format? <laughs> why is this an application song? Uh, so, yeah, it would, uh, definitely got a lot of viruses, just uh, torning music. But um, I just always been about uh, wanting to play music. I got my first guitar when I was um, around that age, um, well, age of like ten, and so I started learning guitar then. Um, I had a keyboard for a while, and I would always try to learn piano. And then, um, what else? I got rock band. Mm. That was a oh, fun. Me and my mom would like Classic. so I would play drums or guitar. My mom would sing, and then she would always get like a hundred percent somehow. She'd learn how to cheat the system. Um, but yeah, like I uh, just grew up playing music. I got a drum set too when I was in uh, seventh grade, so I learned how to play drums. Kind of just been the guy where it's like, if I see an instrument, I'm like, I want to learn how to play that. And um, I could pick up on it pretty good. Got a ukulele for a little bit. But yeah. Um, I don't know what really drew me to it, but I just always been attached to music and think in terms of music. And like my wife knows this, but not a lot of people do, but like, it's definitely not like the Charlie Puth kind of thing where if I hear I'm like, oh, that's a B flat. Like I don't have that, you know, <laughs> but I definitely um, am incredibly, incredibly distracted by sounds where mm-hmm. like I will hear certain sounds, certain things going on. And I will think, how could I put that in a beat? How could I sample that? Mm-hmm. What would that look like if I was on repeat and I could repeat in my mind? I can go play it on piano. And so like I, I don't have the knowledge of a perfect pitch, but I could like. I can hear like a half a second of a song and be like, I know what song that is. I know where it's from. I yeah. know what other songs that's from. That's just the way my brain works. That's always worked that way. Yeah, and you've always picked up quickly on it too. I I always uh, admired that and could see like you would you would get fixated on like you said learning a mu- musical instrument mm. and uh, and you know you go on the piano and you start just hitting the keys like okay wait does this sound right yeah. does that? and then before I know it like you're you know. <laughs> Playing, uh, follow you into the dark, having me fall asleep <laughs> yep. on your on your couch. Yep, uh, that's a true story, by the way. Corey Corey put me to sleep once, and it was beautiful. Death cat for cutie, dude. Yeah, death cat for cutie. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that is quite the throwback. Well, cool. Yes, it is awesome having the booth party in fellowship yeah. and having you a part of that band mm. has been very cool. Uh, so you said that you and your mom used to play a lot of rock band, and she was. A huge influence on you mm. musically. What uh, what was your home life like growing up? I guess let's start uh, when you were younger. Mm. Um, so yeah, my parents got divorced when I was two. So growing up in divorced family was like very normal. Um, didn't have an emotional impact on me because I was so young. But um, yeah, divorce agreement was just like every other weekend go see my dad. He lives in uh, Doylestown now, and so he always lived, like, around Barberton or Doylestown. And, um, yeah, so I'd be with my mom and Stowe. We moved around a bunch. Um, but, I mean, at a young age, I would say, like, before uh, maybe seventh grade, like, everything before then was, like, I was really happy, um, and uh, me and my mom were, like, best friends. And, um, 
don't know, we would, we did like, we didn't have a lot of money. And so that was like the only hard thing, but, um, it was, it was good. It was a good home life, I guess. And it was fun. Then going to see my dad, my dad got me into hunting and, um, like working hard, you know, typical dad stuff. Yeah. Fishing. Golfing. (laughs) Golfing. Yeah. And so he was, uh, my dad was a guy where every time I would go over there, we would like do something. We would, you know, either go hunting, fishing, golfing. I played uh, sports when I was a kid too. And so I was always in, uh, like basketball, baseball, football. Football I stuck with the longest. I played football for like six years. Um, my dad and mom were both like big fans. Well, the cool thing that um, I did grow up with was my mom and dad, though being divorced, they were still friends. Um, mm-hmm. And so uh, my dad got remarried um, in, when I was five uh, in 2000. Um, and her name is Tracy. It's my stepmom still today. And even that, like my mom and Tracy are friends and they mm-hmm. talk and like, you know, they're not like best friends hang out and like, <laughs> but like, sure. it's, it's very, very civil. There's never been any like, um, anger, or, like resentment there. So that's real. It's been like wow. amazing to grow up with that. That's sweet. So how often did you see your dad when you were a kid? I mean, yeah, it was like pretty much every other weekend I would go go over there Friday, Saturday, Sunday, come mm-hmm. back Sunday. Because I would go up, I would be in school at Stowe. Um, and then um, I did have, my my dad's been married three times. Um, and so he's, he had um, my brother and sister, Kyle and Kayla, before he met my mom. <coughs> and then he had uh, me. And then when he got remarried to Tracy, she had uh, three girls. And so I have three stepsisters, one half-sister and one half-brother. Um, and so when I would go to my dad's, they would be there. And, you know, we would always hang out. I'm the youngest, of course. So they're all, like, I think the closest in age is, like, five years. So they would always pick on me and <laughs> torture me. Like in a acute sibling way or like a yeah okay. it was it was okay. it was cute there there was one story where uh my dad had a barn and uh they were all on this hayloft and i was mm-hmm. really young probably like three or four but um they were all jumping off this hayloft onto a mattress and then i climbed up there somehow and um i fell off well i I fell off, I hit the mattress, bounced up, and then just smacked the concrete and started crying. <laughs> wow. And then my dad is like, I'm known as like, you know, the the precious child. Yeah. You know? and You're so, the baby. Yeah, I'm the baby. And so my dad came down like, if I mean, for people that know my dad, like, he's he's a really nice guy, but yeah. like, you, you can definitely tell like, yeah. do not mess with this guy. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, so he came down like a bull just like, and was like, what the hell is going on? And just like <laughs> cursed them all out. Your dad has, it's so funny because, uh, I've, I've met Dave and talked mm-hmm. to him quite a few times, but, uh, your dad, sim- he simultaneously has the most chill, laid back, laid back, easy demeanor, 
but also is the most intimidating person yeah. ever. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, why do I have such an easy, hard time talking to you? <laughs> an easy, hard time. <laughs> an easy, it's like the best way yeah, to describe that it. That is a He's always been really nice. He's always been super hospitable going over there, staying at his house, mm. even, you know, bringing the boys over and having sleepovers, yeah. family get-togethers. That, that actually is one thing that I think is really cool, I, and I can, you know, attest to that, is uh, whenever we would do holidays with your family, everybody, your mom, your dad, mm. your your stepmom and step-siblings all coming together, uh, it was very sweet to see. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So what, uh, I guess going a little further than childhood, going into middle school and high school, you said it was about seventh grade. Mm. Uh, when, uh, or I'm sorry, up until seventh grade uh, where you had felt happy and mm. mm-hmm. and life seemed to be going good. I guess what was it around that time that started to change? So um, like I said, we moved around a lot, and it's mostly because my mom um, would be dating uh, guys, and so like I moved probably like twenty times, and uh, throughout my childhood, and it would just um, be we would be living with my mom's boyfriend or fiance, and then it wouldn't work out, and then we would move, and so like I really didn't have a problem with it at a young age, but as I got older, started understanding more things, being more like mm-hmm. perceptive of what's going on, I started to like kind of see, like, understand my mom and what she's going through more. And so around, I think it was in seventh grade, my mom met this guy named Chris, and uh, um, I liked him, like, you know, nothing wrong. He was a cool guy, he was nice to me. Um, My mom liked him, nice to my mom. And he lived in Falls, so we, um, in eighth grade, we moved to Falls. And I think that's when, like, my life just, like, went downhill, because it was a mixture of both me going through like that rebellious phase of wanting to. I was like starting to get bad grades in school because I wasn't trying um, get involved in like the wrong crowd, I guess you can say. Um, and I was basically just on a path of um, I hate my parents, I hate my life. And I want to feel better. I just wasn't feeling loved at home anymore. And I think it was like a drought that like progressively just increased up until high school. But um, yeah, like mm-hmm. once my mom moved to, once me and my mom moved to Falls with Chris, uh, they would be out every night and they would go to the bars and my mom would like come home drunk. And I started to like see, um, like that started to affect me. Um, and so I just played it off as like, oh, this is fine. So I can stay out late and I can do, um, I can stay up late. And I don't have rules because like my mom's not home. And when she does come home, she just passes out. So um, at first I'm like, this is sweet. And then I'm like, oh, this isn't really fun anymore. Because mm-hmm. I would uh, go over to my other friend's house and see like their parents. I'd be like, oh, I wish I had that. I wish like we can go on vacations. Um and so my mom started, like, not paying attention to me anymore. And um, so, yeah, that was, like, definitely hard to go through. Um, and that just resulted in me going towards drugs and um, kind of just giving up on uh, the lifestyle of uh, staying clean because I've always been against, like, smoking and stuff like that. 
because my mom's been smoke cigarettes, and I was like, oh, I hate that. I'll never do that. <laughs> then, yeah, like there was and a... And then what happened? <laughs> <laughs> um, there was a... It was right after eighth grade. It was the summer leading into high school. I, me, Ryan, Yorger, um, and uh, some of my other buddies, we went down to the bridge on... It's in Cuyahoga Falls, but it was where a bunch of burnouts just, like, go. And uh, they bought a pack of cigarettes, and I tried one. I'm like, wow, that's fun, you know? (laughs) (laughs) And uh, I just felt rebellious, and I felt cool. Mm -hmm. And so it kind of, like, took away the pain I was feeling. And uh, five days after that, I tried weed for the first time. So it was, like, a quick, like, uh, it wasn't. Um, a gradual thing it was just like no I'm all in mm-hmm. like this yeah. this is the life I want to choose now um, soon after that I started drinking uh, stealing liquor out of the cabinet that kind of thing filling up with water <laughs> yeah um, and um, then I uh, quickly after that I started um, I was just be like yeah I'll take anything and I remember this kid in high school was like, oh, I have Adderall. I'm like, what's that? And he's like, it's for ADHD. I'm like, yeah, I probably have that. And he's like, here, take two of these. Basically like crack at that point. Like it's meth, straight meth. And wow. um, I, w- I couldn't go to bed. And I was just zooming. And I love that feeling. I started answering questions in class. <laughs> remember Miss Titchell's class? I do. I, I remember this specifically the day I took it, like, because I used to just fuck around, staple my arm. Yes. And uh, wait, wait, wait. Hang on. You can't just <laughs> say that in the past. Yeah, <laughs> this is fun because I'm remembering like these <laughs> things I used to do. But so just for some context, okay. Me and Corey had the same English teacher freshman year, who was a believer, Mrs. Titchnell. Awesome. I've heard uh, of her. Yeah, awesome lady. Probably, definitely the best teacher at Stowe, in my opinion, that I had. Mm-hmm. And would you agree? Oh yeah. yeah, I like I still remember her to this day and she's awesome. Yeah, and Corey, I you know, I remember going to Mrs. T's room and she'd be like, "Logan, you got to you got to look out for Corey, man. You got to talk to him." <laughs> and and one time I I come down during your English uh class cuz I had study hall or something mm-hmm. that period. And lo and behold, Corey is standing at the front door of her classroom with his arm out and blood. And he's like, what look, fuck? Logue, I stapled my arm. <laughs> like, <laughs> what are you doing, bro? It was... Yeah. Uh, That's hilarious. It was, it was pretty wild. I mean, it was funny, but it, looking back at, on it, it was pretty stupid. Yeah. <laughs> but many, why... Sorry, go well, ahead. Well, I was just saying, how many times did you staple your arm? Uh, I mean, a few uh, okay, times. so first of all, um. Yeah, like it hurts, but like it it doesn't. It's not like as crazy as it seems. Like stapling your arm. I don't know, man. It just feels like getting a tattoo. You know, just like staples a, are like at least a centimeter long. Yeah, but I mean, they didn't like. I didn't like go bam. It was more so just like you have to hold it. I think Listen, I'll test it out. It's. Cool. it's not, I yeah. don't do it anymore. It's That's cool. all. It's cooler than a tattoo too. The reason I did it is because I'm like, first of all, like. <laughs> I'm one of those guys who would like to feel pain to feel something. Mm. And so I resulted in that a lot. But I also um, would, I'm a class clown, like at heart. And so I like making people laugh. I like getting a big reaction. And so I would chase that in any way I possibly could. Um, 
like so like and yeah freshman year i was smoking weed before class and um i would walk in and i would see tommy and see ryan and then like my eyes would be like bloodshot i would like you know couldn't even see and then i would just be giggling and laughing and i would like tell those guys be like no i didn't smoke and i'm like you know i reek and yeah but i would just like I would try to tell people that I'm high without saying I'm high just so I can get attention. Corey, how high are you? Noah's high, how are you? <laughs> <laughs> um, and the, so, yeah, I would, I would just chase any attention I could. The biggest attention whore that you could ever possibly meet. And that's who I was. Um, and, yeah, it was just covering up the misery that I was feeling. Um, I was very depressed because I would come home and if I wasn't high, if I didn't have anything to do, I would just be sad, you know, mm-hmm. and, um, I started arguing with my mom all the time. Like me and my mom, like as soon as we moved to falls, our relationship just like disintegrated and, um, she stopped caring for me. I stopped caring for her and I would just argue with her all the time. Um, I remember that's when I started to get like, uh, actually like enraged and um like I almost got like scared of myself because um I would just go to these major extents to let my mom know how much pain I had and so I remember one time just yelling at her having a yelling match and then I like grabbed a knife out of the kitchen uh and I just like put it on my chest and I'm like I'm gonna fucking kill myself and she was screaming at me. She's like, you're not going to do anything. And then I punched a hole in the wall. And then I just, like, picked up things in the house, threw them across the room, you know, kicked down the front door and to just run outside. And then I'll come back an hour later. And then we'll, we just act like nothing will happen. Mm-hmm. And so we wouldn't talk about it. It would just be that over and over again. And, um, yeah, it was... It was definitely hard. Chris, uh, the guy we were living with, her boyfriend, like he um, was just, he was an alcoholic and he did cocaine and stuff like that, but I didn't find that out till later. But I mean, he was just absent. Like we never had a relationship at all. Um, and I basically refused to have like any father figure besides my own dad. But we can get into that later. But yeah, yeah, <clears throat> yeah. I remember those days. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the attention seeking and the uh, yeah, like suppressing. You know how you were feeling. Basically, you know you were being the class clown and you were doing all these wild, crazy things. I, me- I remember one time you come to school and you had black hair. All yeah. of a sudden, <laughs> yeah. and you know, at, at surface level, I think there were you know some people who could see that and be like, "Oh, Corey's just the goofy guy, and mm-hmm. you know, it's just fun or, or whatever." But like deep down, you know, you were really hurting inside, yeah. and things at home were not were not going well. And you mentioned how you have step siblings, mm-hmm. but you're much younger, um, and you didn't live with them mm-hmm. like in middle school or high school, right? So you were essentially an only child, yeah, at least in. Your day to day, yeah, yeah, living, um, yeah, yeah. A lot of times I would go over to like, especially when I got older, um, I would go over to my dad's and like, you know, my sisters and um, brother were off in college, and so like they wouldn't be home at all, and so like even going over to my dad's, 
like I would still feel like an only child. Mm. Um, which like, yeah, so I've, I've, I definitely consider myself an only child, but it's cool to like that not to be fully true too. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Plus your, seems like your relationship with your step siblings, mm. uh, today is, is actually pretty cool. Yeah. You guys have a good relationship. Yeah. But um, so your dad, you know, you've talked a bit about your mom and your guys' relationship. You know, you and your dad obviously did a lot of fun things together. Yeah. Dave being the the master hunter and mm-hmm. fisherman uh, and golfsman. Yeah. But uh, what would you say your relationship was like with your dad, you know, in terms of just relationally and how he influenced, influenced you uh, as your father? So... Yeah, being, like, a dad's supposed to be, like, the uh, authority figure in the household, right? And so he's the one that says, like, you know, you're grounded and I'm sticking to it. Like, you know, you're in trouble. You can't do this. And then um, I didn't get that part of my dad. Um, And I remember talking to him about it later in life, but um, it makes sense because, like, I only saw him. Um, up until high school, like, you know, every other weekend. Mm -hmm. And so for him to just like be the authoritarian figure would just ruin just the little time we have together. Sure. And so he was just being like, okay, well, I just want to spend time with you. I just want to, um, have fun with you. And, um, what's, I want to teach you just like how to do manly things. I guess you can put it. So like hunting and sports and, um, he, he was a roofer for like, uh, 30 years. And so I remember roofing with him for a summer. That's some hard work. Um, but he taught me like how to do construction, which I do today, you know? So like a lot of the stuff I do and a lot of stuff I know is because of my dad. Mm-hmm. So very grateful for him for that. But, um, yeah, he, he just taught me how to, um, you know, just do hard work and, uh, do it well. And got me interested in the things I'm interested in today. Um, but yeah, what I was lacking in life was um, authority because, you know, mom can bring down some authority and say like, um, and be like the commanding disciplinary person, but only up to a point. Yeah. Because um, I think that's why my mom like was we would have like these yelling matches that would be like mm-hmm. extremely violent. And then she couldn't do anything. Like, what is she supposed to do? Yeah. Like she doesn't, she would just scream at me and I'm just like, whatever, I'll scream at you back. But if my dad screamed at me, <laughs> like, I would be like in a coma. You know? <laughs> I, I wouldn't be able to move. Game yeah. Over. I'll explain that story here in a bit, but there's a story to that. Well, I guess I can tell now. So, um, there's only one time my dad has ever yelled at me and it's like a nightmare. So it was when I was, uh, when I overdosed on Adderall, I was doing that for a week. So I was like buying Adderall from someone's school, but, um, my dad found out my dad, my mom caught me one day smoking cigs behind one of my buddy's houses that lives in falls. And so she was like onto me for a little bit. And then she finally caught me. She's like, get in the car. I'm like, okay. 
and then she's like, if I were drug test you right now, what would I find? Nicotine, weed, pills. I'm like, all of it. <laughs> <laughs> and so she starts like, you know, crying, being like, crying pissed, and then calls my dad. I'm just like, fuck. Yeah. And then all that, pr- all that pride and, yeah. and, yeah. and macho man just yeah. went right out the window. Literally, exactly. <laughs> and so I'd, my mom like is driving. Um, she's driving me, I think, over to Yorgers. Actually, I think she just wanted uh, another mom to talk to. But uh, on the way over to driving there, she's she calls my dad. Just like. Your son just told me he's smoking weed, smoking cigs, drinking, doing pills, and he's not going to stop. And then I, then she's like, here, talk to him. Like, after that, I'm like, no. Like, yeah. I literally told my mom, no, I don't want to talk to him. And I was just like, hello? He's like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> he's like, I don't know. And then. Sorry, Dad, you're breaking up. Sorry. <laughs> But uh, that happened, but it was, I think it was like somewhere right before, like a week before that. I don't know, but my, when my dad, I think it's maybe when my dad found out I was still doing it, something like that. I was over at his house and um, I was trying to go to bed, but I was still high on Adderall. And. I was on the sleep on the couch. My my stepsister Alex was home, and the I remember her just waking me up like Corey, we need to go. I'm like okay, and so I just wake up. She's like, come on, follow me downstairs. I'm just like, what's going on? She's like, your dad's gonna kill you, and I'm like, what? <laughs> and so like I'm like you know I'm just waking up at a mid sleep, and so like all I hear is my dad's gonna kill me. I'm just like this is like the worst time to wake up. And so we're going downstairs, and as we're about to walk out the basement door, I hear the front the front door upstairs slam open, oh. and he's like, "Where is he?" You know that's bad when a door you hear a door slamming open. Yeah, not, <laughs> not shut. It was like he yeah. was like yeah. he kicked it open. It was, and then I yeah. just hear him stomping around upstairs. And so Alex is like, "We have to go now." And so she grabs me. We're running out to her car so we can just go drive somewhere. Wow. And then. My dad chases out into his driveway and just is screaming at me. He's like, you're doing drugs? And he's just belligerent. Like, because I'm his, the little boy mm-hmm. that's, you know, supposed to uh, be good and, like, be clean, not, like, fall into any of this stuff. It, re- it really, like, later on in life, kind of painted a picture of God uh, holding back his power and his wrath in order to love, like mm-hmm. his anger and everything. He held all that back. Because my dad could have picked me up, snapped me in half. Like, you know, he could have beaten the crap out of me. Put you in a coma. Yeah, he could have yeah. put me in a literal coma. But he he chose to take that anger and just direct it in words that just totally submitted me. And, mm-hmm. he, you know, it only lasted 15 minutes. He, I'm pretty sure he just wanted to scare the shit out of me. He's like, you're not going to do that anymore. And I literally was like, I, I think I smoked weed a couple times more, but I was I even scared to mm-hmm. because that was, uh, I, it was really healthy and I, it was a detrimental point of, of my mm-hmm. life of like my dad coming in saying, you're not doing that anymore. Yeah. And I was like, oh, wow. <clears throat> um, 
So going going into high school, I, I stopped going to see my dad on the weekends, uh, every other weekend. And uh, I would basically try to write him out of my life. And that's just because I didn't want to be hurt. And so I learned mm-hmm. to do this thing in high school where I carried with carry on with me till today of I'm tired of being hurt. So if to avoid that with relationships, I'll just keep on pushing people away. Mm-hmm. Um, so you don't have to hurt me again. And um, like I was sad that me and my dad couldn't have a good relationship. I was I was felt guilty that I wasn't going to see him as often. So I'm like, I'm just going to try to avoid this feeling and push you away. I did that with my mom after moving out. Did that with, you know, my dad. Did that with relationships. I've probably done that with you. <clears throat> and so it's a really un- unhealthy way of dealing with things. I've been working on it. The Lord's been teaching me things. But, yeah. Yeah. No, that's very cool. And mm-hmm. good on Dave, man. You know, that yeah. uh, your dad does love you a lot. Mm-hmm. And I, I've been able to see that firsthand. But, uh, yeah, the the love and wrath of a father <laughs> is is definitely something that you uh, – it, sometimes it's amazing and it feels great. And other times you're like, I'm going to die right now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I guess going al- along, you know, those lines of, you know, you pushing people away and, and sort of uh, – I guess, escaping you. uh, So a lot of what you described from seventh grade onwards, right? Mm -hmm. But you started coming around to fellowship in like fifth or sixth grade. Yeah. Fifth grade. Originally. So I guess (laughs) you started coming around in fifth grade and uh, I guess, you know, talk about your involvement then, you know, what did, what did that look like? And, and I guess what, what was the influence like uh, from God and from people in the body of Christ while you were experiencing, yeah, you know, all these tumultuous times in your life? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, growing up, um, I had a Christian influence. So my my dad has uh, never, and my dad's side of the family was never religious or churchgoers, um, but my mom. Um, and her side of the family were heavily influenced in uh, in church, and so I grew up going to church um, with my family, especially like you know big events like Easter and stuff like that. Um, every time I would go over to my grandma's, um, we would there. My grandma and grandpa are Messianic Jews, and so they would be. Uh, um, they are. <laughs> it, it's kind of odd because they're not um, Jewish. Um, they don't have any Jewish blood, um, but they would partake in a, a Messianic Jewish um, church. Uh, I, f- I forget what it's called, but it's in Uniontown. Um, and so we would, you know, um, we would sing the uh, this Hebrew prayer every time. Barukata. <laughs> I I don't remember it at it's, this point. Uh, it's yeah. Lam which is "Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the Universe, who brings forth bread from the earth." Amen. Can you please teach me that later? Yeah, I feel like such a fake right now. Um, because my grandpa, um, he's my step grandpa, but he's been. I mean, I think he was around before I was born, so he's my grandpa. <laughs> um, he taught Hebrew, which is cool. Um, and he was uh, really influential for my entire family, mom, my mom's side, um, uh, just getting them to 
be churchgoers. Um, and so my grandma and grandpa, they went to their Messianic Jewish church, but um, basically all my rest of my mom's side of the family, they went to the chapel um, in Akron. And, <coughs> and so I would go with them. When I would stay over there at my aunt and uncle's, we would, you know, wake up, go to church on Sunday. But my mom really fell away from the faith. Um, all her, she has four brothers, and they're all saved and uh, love the Lord. But she got saved when she was like 16, but she fell away and rebelled, went through her own rebellious path um, and after high school and stuff like that. So um, she knew that having a relationship with God was important. She still loved the Lord, but she just didn't. I think she was just so guilty that she had a hard time returning to the Lord. But she knew enough mm-hmm. to teach me and knew that was important for me. So we would pray together every night before I would go to sleep. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember uh, memorizing verses. Philippians 4.13 was one of the first verses I memorized. And what I was, was like, ex- uh, <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, for I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Um, nice. Yeah, so... Yeah, I remember learning that at a young age, and um, I just thought I was a Christian, you know, because I went to church, I pray, and um, I don't do anything wrong. There's a lot of fundamentalism, for sure. Um, couldn't play Yu-Gi-Oh! Even mm. Like, That's I couldn't funny. play Yu-Gi-Oh! around, like, my grandma and stuff like that, because right. she was like this, you know. What about Pokemon? Demon shit, and... So I would, like, always feel on edge going around my mom's side of the family. Just around, like, I didn't want to say exactly what I was doing. Like, oh, I listened to words with cuss words in it, or songs with cuss words in it, um, and stuff like that. So I would just, like, feel like the black sheep. My mom felt that way, too. It was clear. Um, and so, yeah, but um, my mom was not like that, of course. So, yeah, I, I, I was uh, afraid to cuss for a while, too. I remember the first time I said, fuck, um, I told my mom because <laughs> I thought I was the worst sinner that has ever That's walked this so way. Oh, my. It was uh, after my friend Evan Matifer, um smacked me in the face with glow stick at uh, one of the fifth grade dances. <laughs> That's hilarious. Like we got in a little scuffle on the fifth grade dance floor. Right. Naturally. Yeah. And... uh he had these glow sticks and just started whipping me in the face. That would hurt so badly. It, it did. And it was more so embarrassing because, like, other people saw it. Um, mm. And this girl I liked saw it. Oh. So, wow. Yeah. Can't have that. Yeah. I think I know who it was, but I'll tell you later. But Okay. Um, that, that is the worst feeling. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Your, your friend starts getting too rough. They, like, push you down. It's yeah. like, dude, come on, man. Yeah. I'm She's trying. watching. <laughs> yeah. And so I think I just felt embarrassed and uh, humiliated. Uh, more than I felt pain. And so I just remember going like, fuck him. <laughs> <laughs> like I said that under my breath. That's so funny. <laughs> but I said it out loud. I just like had so much like rage. I just needed to say it. And then I went home and told my mom. I was like, mom, I messed up. She's like, what did you do, honey? So I Aww. said fuck. And like if my like future child ever has the nerve to come and be like, I cussed. <laughs> I would, I would just Fuck be em. so broken and hurt. Mom, like, mommy, I gotta admit something. <laughs> but so I was funny. the cutest darn kid for sure. 
Um, so, you know, I was, I, I, that's who I was like growing up of just like, I tried to do good things. I tried to be nice to people, try to not cuss. Um, fifth grade rolls around and I'm not the most popular kid. Um, and, but I, I was always friendly with everyone. I met Ryan Yorger in fifth grade and, uh, started becoming friends with him, went over to his house one day and met Jordan uh, and Katrina and Rick, and um, he was like, hey, I, I, I go to a church, you want to come? And I was like, sure, like, I had no problem with that. And so I, was, I showed up to CT, was my one of my first meetings, uh, it was at Riverwood, mm. we used to meet there. I remember running around outside with Ryan and Connor. I remember Connor looked like he was four, but he's like, <laughs> I'm the same age as you. <laughs> I'm like, funny. this is crazy. And so... Um, yeah, me, Connor, and Ryan just running around. Then we uh, got started a cell group. Um, it was me, Ryan, and uh, Rick Yorger and Rich Hunter. I think that was it. Um, that's a squad. Yeah. <laughs> then uh, John Song came around not too long after that. I remember my first discipler was uh, pro- I mean uh official discipler was Justin Duchesne. But John Hemphill, I, I believe, discipled me um, before then mm. uh, because uh, we would always be over there. <clears throat> so, um, yeah, it was... I loved coming around, and, like, I, I, I've been coming around since, you know. That first CT never stopped. And my mom loved it that I was involved in church, and you know, she thought it was good. My mom loves the Yorgers. Still does, and um, yeah, it's uh, been yeah coming around since and following the Lord. I I ended up uh, receiving Christ because um, I did. I knew I had a relationship, and I was like, I thought I was going to heaven. Then I learned that like this is a decision I have to make. So I remember mm-hmm. we went to a retreat at like Mohican, and I just remember one of those nights I prayed to receive Christ, and. Um, then I prayed to receive Christ like 500 times after that. <laughs> Amen. Um, cause I just wanted to make sure. And every time you'd say the word frick, <laughs> yeah. Lord, please forgive me again. Yeah. And I, I just think I, I prayed so many times because I, I, I was still like, um, trying to break that legalistic background. I had. Mm-hmm. Um, but I stopped doing that. <laughs> Praise God. Um, then... Um, I felt like my life just continued on to, um, I have my church life and then I have, you know, my life and, uh, they never really merged for a long time because, uh, I would show up to home church and cell groups, prayer groups, CTs. I would love being there, enjoy it. But at the same time, like, I'm like, well, I, you know, I still like doing this stuff over here. Mm-hmm. And I still like being the class clown. I still like chasing after girls. And um, when I say chasing after girls, um, I never had uh, never had sex until I got married. And I that is the reason I bring that up is because I think that it was the hand of God mm-hmm. that uh, protected me. That for some reason I was just I just didn't knew I shouldn't do that. And I think it was just probably the Holy Spirit just being like, 
we're just going to shut this area down <laughs> and then like we're just going to make you scared of doing that you're already doing enough to your life buddy okay <laughs> we're gonna yeah and so i'm gonna um, preserve you a bit here um i i praise god for that every day mm-hmm. um but chasing girls was more so i i would date girls get them to like me and then i'll be like oh, I'm, I'm done and then i'll just move on to the next one uh, because i was just trying to feel loved and so i would still do that and have that lifestyle just flirting with girls being a player and um, having fun, doing rebellious shit, and then showing up to home church. Yeah. Then, um, I started then, of course, you know, when I moved in with Chris and uh, me and my mom moved in there with, in Falls, that's when I started going through that path. I remember calling up Rich Hunter. He was discipling me at the time. Um, and right when I started smoking weed, I was like, two weeks after that, I called him up and I was like, hey, man, I, I think I want to take a break from fellowship. And I want to just stop coming around. I'm just not all about it anymore. I just want to take a little break, probably a month or something. And he's like, why? I was like, I uh, just, you know, I think it'll be good to take a break. Hmm. You know, because we're just, just doing a lot. I've been coming around for a while. It might just be good to take a little break. And if someone were to tell me that, I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, like, are you, what, did you find something else? Like, mm-hmm. it's, it was pretty clear. He, he probably knew, like, I'm smoking or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which I was. That's what I wanted to do. I just wanted to smoke without being held accountable. Yeah. Um, praise God, he called up my mom. And I was like, uh, Corey doesn't want to come around anymore. Just wanted to put that on your plate. And my mom <laughs> calls me up. She's like, you're going. <laughs> you don't have a choice. You're going. <laughs> And I'm just like, why? Um, so praise God, my mom, on yeah. that part, even though yeah. in the midst of her rebellion, in the midst of her not caring, she knew one thing that my ass is staying in fellowship. Mm. Yeah. Um, while it's, uh, she has the authority to say so. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was probably one of those other things that saved my, uh, my walk, my life. Um, but yeah, so uh, uh, Galatians five seventeen, the. Uh, the battle of the flesh and the spirit yeah. is what I was experiencing. Um, I mean, of course, since day one of me receiving Christ, and it just got so much more intense um, the more I started rebelling. And I think what I was trying to do is just I was trying to push away God as much as I could because I knew I was I just felt like I was failing him, and I felt so guilty. Mm. Felt like I was failing my mom. Felt like I was failing my dad. Failing all my relationships, and I just wanted to just numb it all wanted to get rid of it. Um, and so whether it was drugs, whether it was chasing girls, um, I cut myself for a while just to feel pain, um, being a class clown, anything I could possibly grab onto, playing music. Um, I tried to do everything under the sun, mm-hmm. but all is vanity, basically. Um, and nothing was good enough. And... Um, I don't know if you, I can keep on moving on. Well, I, I did have a question to follow that up with. Amita, did you have a question for him? Yeah, it's kind of a long-winded question, but earlier you said that when your mom, when you were in seventh grade and like all the things were happening, that there is this drought of love. And so then that went on for like however many years when you were in high school and you were doing drugs and et cetera, as you just described. Yeah. And you stopped because you were scared at least this seems like you described. So when was it that you felt like finally you let the Lord pour into that drought and finally 
love you and realize that because you had been in this drought for so long. And then it seems like you're only polarized out of fear to stop doing that stuff. So, um, freshman year is when it was right before freshman year is when I started my, like, uh, all out rebellion. But the end of freshman year, I stopped smoking weed, um, because I was inviting my friend around. His name was Jordan Knotts. Um, he was my best friend since fifth grade, and so I finally started inviting him around. And uh, this is when um, we could literally just, we had so many people coming around to our high school Bible study. It was ridiculous. Um, so many people getting saved in the midst of all of us rebelling and doing crazy <laughs> shit, which is just crazy. But yeah. I, was, I was inviting him around, and he was enjoying it. Um, and so we both agreed, which was like, hey, let's just stop smoking weed. Let's, uh, let's take a break from this. And we're just like, yeah, that sounds cool. And so we did. Um, and then I remember one night, him and my other friend named Evan, uh, we were in Rich Hunter's van. Ryan, <clears throat> Ryan Yorger was there. I forget who else. But uh, I remember both of them praying to receive Christ. And that was just like, this mm. is the best high I've ever felt. Yeah. Because, like, yeah. I've never, up until that point, like, I've never experienced, like, that kind of high um, and that kind of, like, satisfaction. I was like, this is this is what I've been searching for, mm-hmm. um, uh, true significance. And I remember from that point on, like, I, I just, like, couldn't go back to what I was doing and yeah um it was definitely a lot harder like i I haven't smoked weed since then um yeah i dabbled into like you know drinking a little bit too much here at times um and you know chasing girls still was a problem but i knew one thing that i i wanted to dedicate my life to the lord Mm -hmm. and throughout high school i i was still just wrestling with that but um I was just slowly giving more and more to the Lord. Like, here, mm-hmm. you can take this part. Here, you can take this. Here, you can take this. The only thing I really wouldn't give them throughout high school and going into uh, college was um, I, I wouldn't give him or I wouldn't, like, ask him to pay attention to me. I wanted everyone else to pay attention to me. I wanted, like, you know, to get that love from attention-seeking. But it never occurred to me that I can go to the Lord and ask for that. Yeah. Um, I thought I was too selfish to do that. So I'm like, I'm just going to, I'm going to keep this part. Yeah. When did that occur to you? I remember someone just explaining it and it could have been a teaching. It was like a year or two into into college after high school Mm -hmm. of just saying, it's like, you're a man pleaser, Corey. Um, but you know, you, it's okay to be a man pleaser to the Lord, like a God yeah. pleaser. Yeah. And so like, I'm wanting to please everyone else. I want everyone to pay attention. I want to do, to look good in everyone else's eyes. And yeah, I'm not going to go out and be like, Hey Logan, can you please pay attention to me? Cause <laughs> I know that sounds ridiculous and I know that's like selfish, but that's what I really wanted mm-hmm. is for everyone to do that. But he's like, you know, you can go to the Lord and be like, Lord, can you pay attention to me? Can you love me? Yeah. 
I'm like, holy shit. I didn't recognize that. I remember that's when I started praying out loud. And that changed my prayer life uh, for the past, what was it, eight years or something, uh, where I, every time I pray, I have to pray out loud. And I pray as if God's, like, in the room with me. And I just am totally vulnerable with him. And that's helped a lot. Where it's like I don't have to seek this from anyone else now, um, and it's it's been super um, beautiful just getting having the Lord get to know me and asking Him ridiculous things yeah. and laughing with Him, having cracking jokes with Him, um, treating it like an actual relationship because that's how like I truly understand uh, my relationship with God is like. If I'm going to have a relationship with you, I'm going to make you as real and physical as possible yeah. sitting here next to me. And I will treat you as a true friend. And so, like, I remember one time driving to McDonald's. I got a large sweet tea, and I'm praying in the car. After I get my large sweet tea, <laughs> I pour it all over my lap while driving. You're and supposed to drink it. <laughs> he was letting God get us it. Ah. And so it spills everywhere in my car all over my lap i'm completely soaked and then i start cracking up and the reason why is because i know god was cracking up too <laughs> and i'm like if i any of my friends would be laughing hysterically at me i was like god you're probably laughing too yeah. and so it made me laugh hmm. like we got to enjoy that moment together and i bring that yeah. up i brought that up with a bunch of people i talked to and it's because that's the kind of relationship he wants to have with us yeah um and once i started like treating god like that um, this uh, need for seeking attention dissipated. God, I have so many stories that I'm just remembering, and I don't want to belabor it too long because I'm a talker. Yeah, well, I think uh, that's very cool. I, I think, too, you know, you seeing how the Lord loves you and, you know, essentially you engaging in your relationship with the Lord. And, you know, one of the things that... uh I think I noticed a lot early on when we were, when we were younger is that it was always the Corey show a lot of time. Like, how can I get people to pay attention to me? Make and a love, podcast. And love me. Just, well, <laughs> well, this podcast is pretty dope. I'm kidding. And uh, it's, it's given other people the ability to share their lives and their stories and, and how you know, Christ has, has changed them. That's beautiful. And I think that just is a testament to how your attitude has changed Mm -hmm. and how the Lord has changed you because you went from the guy of being like, okay, gather around everybody. I'm going to play guitar now or (laughs) I'm going to do the, I'm going to staple my arm, everyone and pay attention. And it's going to be so funny and look at me to a guy who the Lord has completely transformed to, you know, have character and maturity. And instead of being like, Hey, everybody gather around and look at the Corey show, you, point people towards the Lord. Mm-hmm. And even in our conversation when we talk and, you know, I'm having, I'm opening up to you about something. One of the first things that you always will ask me is, where is God at in all of this? Where is God? Mm. And uh, I just, you know, it's it's a completely different demeanor talking to you now than it was back then, um, which has been, which has been beautiful. And, uh, you know, I, like you said, there's plenty of stories going through your mind. Same here, mm. actually, uh, of how you've, how you've changed. And the things that God has done for you, one in particular that I wanted to ask about was you were quite the uh, unreliable man mm-hmm. and uh, very immature when it came to 
uh, you know, uh, while doing your job mm. and being, yeah, reliable, I guess is the best way to put it. And so who, who I guess had a major influence on you in that regard and how have you seen the Lord change you in that respect? Mm. Oh yeah. So that's a good question. Um, so first kind of going back to what we were just talking about, I, um, went to, I was in charge of like the activity committee, not in charge of it, but I was, um, part of the activity committee for all of IP. And I remember there was one IP activity that, um, it was a combined IP. <clears throat> we met at Schwartz and we, I was like, let's do manhunt and everyone's down for it. But I didn't run it by any of the leaders, like the deacons and stuff like that. So, um, in my mind, I'm just like, well, we're doing this. And it was just so natural for me to be like, I'm taking control and this is what we're going to do. Um, so after Kyle was done teaching, I got up on stage and presented, this is the manhunt we're doing. Everyone leave now. And everyone left to go play manhunt. Um, couple days later I'm I was a intern for fellowship at the time Keith and Greg walk in and uh, they were just like Keith was like Corey you're fired (laughs) (laughs) which uh, if you know uh, how many times has Keith fired yeah if you know uh, (laughs) me and my work history with this fellowship I've been like fired like 400 times if you ask Keith yeah um but uh, he was serious, for sure, that time. And uh, <laughs> it was for definitely good reason. And one of the reasons was being working for fellowship is a little different uh, than a normal job, as you can assume. And one big no-no to do is take over a whole fellowship meeting. That's really important because it was like the last meeting before the summer hit where all these people leave. And I'm just like, mm-hmm. hey, let's not have conversation after mm-hmm. this. Let's shut this down and everyone disperse and let's not talk. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was, I didn't run it by any leaders. I just, like, took it over. And that, that's what was going through my mind is, like, I don't need any permission. I'm running this. Like, I'm doing what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, yeah, I, I got fired from working for fellowship. And that wasn't the first time I got fired from a job. I got fired from my first job because I was showing up late. Um, I've gotten fired multiple times, like I said, working for fellowship the first time being an intern, um, because, um, for, I would just like argue, I, I hate authority, you know, because I'd never had authority growing up. Mm. Um, I would just, my mom was the, you know, like I said, the authority figure. And so I would just argue with her. And so anytime a boss was like, you're doing this, I would just argue. Just like, no. And, um. When they say do it this way, I'm unreliable. And so I just do it the way that I want to do it. Do it the way that's convenient to me. Do it the way that um, feels good. And I struggle with this still today. Um, Recently, I just got a... um, I wanted to leave the band that I was in um, because 
even though I made a commitment to like these guys in the band, I'm just like, no, I'm, I don't want to be in it anymore. And uh, praise God, Kyle talked to me about it because um, he's like, you know, you're a guy that struggles with making commitments and keeping them. Um, guy that struggles with integrity, and I've struggled with that my whole life. Um, and this is something like I still struggle with is being a man of integrity, even at home. You know, I'm just like helping out around the house, saying like, yeah, I'll clean this up, yeah, I'll do that. And so uh, I'm, I'm still struggling with this. Now, I'm not saying, like, I have not grown from in this area. I definitely have. Uh, praise God that, um, you know, I still have a, a job working for fellowship again because mm-hmm. I clearly have worked on this issue of integrity. And um, But it's it still peaks up every now and then, so I just wanted to clarify that, that, like, I'm not mm-hmm. cured of this. Um. But my wife has helped me immensely in this area because she is a person um, completely opposite of me where if she says she's going <laughs> to do something, like, you'll have to kill her not to do it. Yeah. Um, Terminator. For me, be like, Corey, can you do this? I'll be like, yeah. You just show me a video game or a, a, just a YouTube <laughs> video. I'm, I'm, I'm forgetting what, the, what I'm doing. You know? <laughs> like, I'm just so easily distracted and so easily just want to have fun and will drop everything, anything I've committed to. Um, she's the exact opposite. So she has been a pivotal role in my life of teaching me how to be a uh, man of my word. And um, so, yeah, she's been a big influence. <clears throat> Adam Esterly been a big influence too um, because he's been uh, – just a guy that you can you, you can entrust with a lot you know he can take on a lot and he's a guy that like I'm just blown away like how do you do all these things and like do it well like teach CT and teach LTC and then mm-hmm. you know meet up with all your disciples and then teach home <laughs> church and like you're do you and he's a he's a father and it's just like bro like you're doing way too much stuff and you're doing it all well I don't know how you're doing it <laughs> And so he's he's a good guy to look up to in that regard. Hmm. Um, but, um, yeah, I would say those are, I mean, Keith, of course, is the man that's given me so much grace over the years. Yeah, so Logan was talking about how, like, it used to be this whole Corey show thing. And I'm sure, of course, like, you probably slipped back to that at some points. But I just think it's interesting that, like, now you are the sanitation liaison mm-hmm. for our fellowship. And I know that you do more than sanitizing things, <laughs> but probably not a lot of people like understand really what your job is or all the details of it. Um, we can have a whole other podcast dedicated to you <laughs> telling us about that. But it reminded me of the verse Psalm 8410, which says, better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. And I feel like that, to me, just is a good summary of what the Lord has done, that it's not like, I just want to go get all the attention and I want to go dwell in the house of the wicked and have the most fun and smoke every weed that is out there, (laughs) every single piece of weed. All the weeds. Um, All weeds. But you're someone that has, your literal job is to serve this church and this community. It's a really beautiful thing. And Mm. to see that the Lord, he's even, he's like refining your character still to make you someone that can be a harder worker is really, really a cool thing. And I'm sure that you would testify that it is better to be a doorkeeper of this church and unlock the door when people want it to be (laughs) than 
to just go and follow what you want to do. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, I appreciate that. Yeah. It's definitely hard. Um, cause, um, I mean, it's something that I've been thinking about for the past year because, uh, working for fellowship is my dream job. This is like the Lord, I believe truly that he has created this job for me. I hated the job I was in before, though I would get a bigger paycheck. Um, that was nice, but it's just incomparable to uh, the amount of joy and um, just beautiful things that happen here at this fellowship. Like I get to do construction. I get to do IT stuff. I get to set up for events. I get to, you know, record CTs, you know, mm-hmm. and for my job. Like, you got to be kidding me. It's the best job in the entire universe. Um, I, I would work here for the rest of my life um, if I could financially afford that. Um, this is definitely not a plug to pay more. Like, I'm just, I'm just saying, like, this is um, – I am very grateful to have this job, um, and I I hope that I can work here and everything will work out, and the Lord will continue taking care of me like He already has, <clears throat> so I can continue working here as long as mm-hmm. I can. Um, and yeah, I think that is one of the coolest gifts that He's given me is this yeah. job. Yeah, that's sweet, mm-hmm. and I'm sure that you outside of this job too or like highly value fellowship over all the other things you could be doing yeah i pretty much <laughs> like i have two full-time jobs and uh both of them are working for ministry <laughs> just one i get paid for the other one i don't um like ministry is my entire life like mm-hmm. literally um and not a lot of people can say that, so I'm very grateful yeah. to be able to say that. Yeah, um, yeah, I can go on and on just talking about how cool this job is. Yeah, yeah. Well, for the I have the last question. Okay, then I have a last last. question. If you don't mind. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, well, my last question is: if you could go back to the Corey of middle school, high school, when you did know the Lord, but you clearly were not really walking with the Lord, mm. if you could go back, what would you say to a younger Corey back then? God damn, dude. <laughs> I would first, like, punch myself repeatedly. <laughs> repeatedly. Um, I would... I would just tell, like, I would just give myself the advice I got later in life earlier of what you're searching for and things you're doing, you can, God wants to give that to you. Like, everything I was searching for, everything I was doing was a result of me just not asking God for it. So, like, smoking was just trying to numb the feeling of this guilt and some, I could ask God, like, Lord, can you please cleanse me from this? Can you please not make me feel guilty? Can you please just shower me with your grace, Lord? And remind me, renew me with the joy of my salvation. And, Lord, I, I want 
to feel loved. Can you love me, Lord? You know, Lord, I want to feel significant. Can he make me significant, Lord? Lord, I want this. Lord, I want that. And just like, just throw all these on the Lord. I didn't know I could do that. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that he would hear me. I thought that would be selfish of me to ask the Lord for those things. But that's exactly what he wants. And so I would have a training seminar of, with my old self. Be like, you could, here's what you can do. <laughs> A training seminar after you've, of course, given given him a beatdown. Yeah, Corey. No, that is that is very cool. Praise God, man, for how much yeah. the Lord has loved you and and blessed your life. And yeah, seeing the man that you are today, I think Amia summed it up really, really well. Actually, with that verse from Psalm, um, you know, you you exemplify how much the Lord can transform somebody. You know, taking this just runt. Street kid looking, that was a sewer rat, disrespectful, <laughs> yeah, sewer rat, like a dude who like brought nothing to the table and just wanted all the love and attention and and glory. And now it's like you give that glory over to the Lord and, mm. and point people towards that too. Yeah. And uh, you know how much more He's made your life significant by coming under other people and mm. uh, loving them is beautiful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So for our final question, which I'm sure your answer is going to be similar to what you just said, but what has the Lord saved you from? I was thinking about this question earlier because I'm like, I know this, yeah, this is the last question, but still don't know how to answer it. Um, so, I mean... I mean, just being a complete worthless person through and through. Um, that's what I would be without the Lord. Like, I, I wouldn't have anything. Um, there's no way I would be um, anyone a woman would want to marry. Uh, there would be no way I could keep a job. No way I could have a degree no way I could do anything good depart from the Lord hmm. um, yeah I would just be broken lonely um, just depressed and just feeding myself drugs anything to just numb what I have but now like I, I wake up and I'm just happy hmm. you know to be alive and grateful for everything that I've been given. I wouldn't have that, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm amazed uh, what the Lord, how gracious and how good he is. I don't deserve, like, anything that uh, I have. And he's, he's beautiful at what he wants to give, like... He knows the desires of my heart, and he's he's like, I want to give those to you. Why? Just he's like, because I love you. I'm like, well, I I don't know why, you know, but he's good. Mm-hmm. He's so good. So I, yeah, he saved me from just 
being a worthless do-nothing and someone that can offer something. Yeah. So. That's a very compelling answer, I think, for people that are skeptical of God or not really sure that he's good, Mm. but it's clear that he has very good things he wants to give. Yeah. Thank you, Corey, our host, for coming and playing as not host today. Mm-hmm. I appreciate that. It was cool to have you. Yeah. I was glad to be on the other side. Yeah, bro. And thank you for inviting me onto your podcast <laughs> to, to help interview you. And, A- uh, ABC Podcast. Thank you, God, for Corey and how much you've done in his life and the friendship that we've been able to build. So um, I don't know if there's like an outro or something, but uh, thank you for listening to (laughs) ABC, (laughs) a.k.a. Saved Podcast. Um, Tune in next week, folks, for another guest.